This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own Now time. you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. Each episode, we take one real world business story and apply a key investing lesson to help you build your investor toolkit. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. We strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. And before we get started, just a reminder that Ren and I are not financial professionals. We are here learning like you and nothing on this podcast should be taken as advice. With that said, let's crack on. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Excited for this uh, new format. Uh, We hit the ground running last week. We continue this week asking what is in a name or my alternative uh, title for this episode that didn't get through you, a hedge fund by any other name would still invest the same. Yeah, no. A bit of of Shakespeare inspiration for you. (laughs) Yes, no. If you have just joined us for the first time, today we're taking one new story and then we're going to actually take a step back and look at uh, one key lesson that, to help you develop your investor toolkit. So, Ren, what is in a name? Yes. The story. The story and two episodes in and I've already broken the format. Yep. But rather than uh, taking one story, there's three stories that are uh, from all different parts of the world but in its, at its core, they're all really the same story. And it's regulators are cracking down on greenwashing. Yeah. Now, for people who are unfamiliar with the term greenwashing, 25 words or less. 25 words or less. It's that counts as words. <laughs> misleading statements or um, marketing sort of activity by funds uh, to based on the, their sort of credentials in the ESG and sustainability yeah. space. And we're all, we've all seen greenwashing when we're consumers, when we go to the shops and uh, we see companies put a bit of marketing spin on what they're yeah. doing environmentally. This is that in, in an investing context. Yeah. Fund managers putting a sustainable label or a green label on their funds, which may be not warranted. It's in vogue to be sustainable. Oh, it's very in vogue, <laughs> yes. yeah. So... Uh, there's been so much money flowing into the sustainable investing space, hundreds of billions of dollars a year, and regulators are now cracking down. So the three stories, Bryce, if I can take you back to the 1st of June, mm-hmm. in America, uh, the SEC, the regulator over there, proposed updating the name rule to include ESG factors. Now, the name rule basically says 
if you call your fund something, at least 80% of the assets need to be invested in that way. If I call myself a US Treasury bond fund, at least 80% of the investments need to be in US Treasury bonds. If I call myself a solar energy fund, at least 80% of the investments need to be in solar energy. Fair call. Traditionally, sustainability, green, ESG weren't covered by the name rule. The SEC have proposed that they should be. I think that is a very reasonable that's fair. policy from yes. the SEC. So that's the first story. Two weeks later in Australia, our market regulator, ASIC, released an information sheet on greenwashing covering many of the same points, uh, really about how funds should label themselves and what's best practice, again, to for f- funds that we can invest in being true to label. And then a week after that, on the 21st of June over in Europe, the European Union regulators agreed on new reporting and disclosure rules to combat greenwashing. So three separate stories, but really all one big story. Regulators are getting serious about greenwashing. Well, rightly so, because there are plenty and uh, you know we've seen the rise of them over the last couple of years. There's a new fund or a new ETF or a new product that sort of feels like it comes to market almost weekly now that has plenty of uh, different takes on sustainability, ESG, green, whatever. Yeah. Well, Bryce, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me ask you, what's the difference between sustainable, ethical, green, responsible, mm-hmm. conscious and impact? Because they're all those six words are all buzzwords that are used somewhat interchangeably. It's hard to tell what the difference is yeah. just by looking at the cover. Yeah, but they're all trying to do the same thing. We should maybe launch a fund that has all six: the Equity Mate <laughs> Sustainable, Ethical, Green, Responsible, Conscious Impact Fund. <laughs> That's would, not bad. It would actually kill it. <laughs> it also, we'd get a lot of heat from ASIC. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the the challenge in the greenwashing space is. There are some names which are very easy to understand. Mm. If I see on a fund's name, an ETF's name, American Bond Fund, it's pretty black and white what a bond is. It's pretty black and white where America is. So it's pretty black and white what's in the fund. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to this sustainability space, there's just so many shades of grey that even as regulators are taking more interest and cracking down, it's really hard for them to make hard and fast rules and then for us as investors to be confident about what's in the fund. Mm. And that's the lesson. That's where we want to get to. But to really illustrate that grey area, it can be really summed up with the question, is Tesla ethical? Do you want me to answer that? (laughs) Way too complicated. And remember, we've only got the 15 minutes for the episode. That's a whole new episode, Ren. Uh, In my eyes, yes. There you go. But in some people's eyes, no. Yeah, it depends on what you weight as important. On one hand, environmentally, electric vehicles, big tick. On the other hand, labour rights, making um, his workers come back during COVID and or getting COVID, um, governance, uh, some questionable governance practices there. Um, It is not as black and white as the American bond fund. Mm. So I guess the question is what's an investor to do? Names can be confusing. Regulators are looking at it, but it's it's tough to, I guess, figure out just from the name what the strategy is or what, what they're holding. And when you put two value funds next to each other or two ethical funds next to each other, 
What's the actual difference? So that's what we want to get to. How how can we figure it out? Not even what's the difference, but are they even doing what they s- is on the label? But anyway, so yeah. you're right. What is in a name, Ren? People might be sitting there thinking, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm just buying, you know, ETFs or whatever. But where, where, wherever you are in the world, whether it's your 401k, your pension fund, superannuation account, choosing ETFs, LICs, putting it into fund, mutual, mutual funds. funds. Yeah, like it's all, all of these funds that we can invest in. All they, have a name. They have a name. Yes. And the name does a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, and, and we've seen them all. There's the value funds. There's the growth funds, the quality, the momentum, the ethical, sustainable, impact, responsible, balanced, conservative, large cap, small cap. Yeah. Jargon city. Jargon city. <laughs> <laughs> and all of them carry slightly different nuances and meanings depending on the provider or depending on the country. You know, even something like a small cap or a large cap differs based on the country that you're in. Yeah. Australian small caps are smaller than American small caps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I even think value as well. Like, um, uh, Value and growth are just... Just massive names loose. that you can slap so on it. Loose. Yeah, yeah. And in a time like this, like I think one of the dangers, and, and we'll get to this probably a little bit after the break, but it, the danger is you, you hear when people say in an environment that we're in, you know, it might be worth to rotate into value and then just going out and finding a fund that has value in the name. But I, let's get to that after. I am very confident that there are people that invested in growth, in a growth fund, and then rotated into value at the start of this year. Yeah. But if they looked under the hood of each of those funds, the same. holdings would be very much the same. Yeah. And in both cases, very much large American tech companies. Yeah. Yeah. So. And all you did is pay brokerage. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But let's take a break and then talk about how we can navigate this world and build the skills to not do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, Ren, we know that uh, it's important to understand what's in a name, but what can we actually do about this? So, first of all, many investors will passively trust their financial advisor on this. And and that's that's a completely fair way to do it if you don't want to look under the hood yourself. We would say even if you do passively trust your financial advisor, it's worth having this knowledge to be able to ask the right questions, to be able to put them on the spot and test them. And what if you don't have a financial advisor? Well, like us, uh, you and I, and so many people around the world, financial advice is unaffordable or inaccessible. So we have to do it ourselves. Mm. And there's others who just want to do it themselves. So this is where we get to perhaps one of the most boring documents, but important documents in finance, a funds information sheet. I thought you were going to say the balance sheet. <laughs> <laughs> you might see it called a prospectus. You might call it see it called a PDS. You might see it called a fact sheet, fact a sheet. flyer. Yeah. Generally, there's a short marketing version, couple of pages, glossy images, and then there's a longer, dense, no images, black and white, full text version. Yeah, they are getting better. The ETF providers are particularly 
good at distilling it pretty easily. Mm. The fundies still have challenges there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And these, but these fact sheets are critical. Like yeah. you'll often hear people say, read the PDS or read the prospectus and it's just like a disclaimer bit at the end. But they are, there's actually a heap of good information in there. They're sometimes long. The good news is a lot of it is fluff. Yes. Like there's, I was flicking through some in preparation for this episode. Some there's like full pages explaining what a unit is. And it's like that, for me, it's important it's there, but I don't need to read that page in detail. I can skip mm. to the next page. So mm. don't be daunted by their length. But what these, these fact sheets will tell you is how the funds will invest your money, the criteria they will use to invest your money, the level of risk they'll take, the suggested holding period for the fund, the benchmark they're going to measure themselves against, how much they're going to charge you to manage your money, i.e. the fees. So there's a lot of important information in there. But I think, you know, if we go back to what we're talking about in terms of the greenwashing point and what's in a name and um, how we can understand if they're actually true to label, when you get to how they will invest your money, there's a wide range of levels of detail, descriptions, um, and sometimes it's because, you know, different funds, they, they want to be loose because they want flexibility. Yeah. But what if you're, let's say you want to invest in an ethical or a sustainable fund. What you want to see is the criteria that they judge ethical or sustainable by. We've pulled some out, so let's get to these examples because I think it just illustrates how specific some will be and then how general some others will be. So we've got one here from Global X. They're a pro- provider of ETFs. They have a wind energy ETF listed in New York. And the description is an index designed to track the performance of companies that have significant exposure to the field of wind energy technology. So, so far, you'd think wind energy in the title seems like they're building one. What's next? Well, what companies are they actually involved in? So, according to GlobalX, they're going to be uh, investing in companies uh, in the following wind energy activities. So, there's wind energy systems, wind power production, wind energy tech, and wind power integration and maintenance. And then the next bit becomes the most important bit because this is how they classify companies that fit in. Each company is classified as follows according to the extent to which it generates revenue from wind energy activities. Pure Play derives at least 50% of its revenue from wind energy activities. Pre-revenue has primary business operations in wind energy activities but doesn't currently generate revenue. So basically it's either a company, a startup that's in the wind energy space or it's a, it can be a big company that has to get at least 50% of its revenue from wind energy. Mm. So like a diversified power generator that has a couple of wind turbines but also has a whole bunch of other energy assets, probably not making it into this, uh, this fund because it's not, it doesn't hit that 50% of revenue threshold. Yeah. So that's a really clear metric to know, okay, I know that there's a whole bunch of companies that won't be in that might have s- some wind turbines because they're not that 50%. So tick. Well, it's not tick or cross. It's just like knowing what you're investing in. Yeah, it's not as it's it seems true to label. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- that that's an example, and obviously it's quite a specific ETF, wind energy. But that's an example of like a really clear. Okay, I've read four lines, and I know I, I've got a pretty good idea of what they're investing in. Mm. Then there's another one listed in the US, 1919 Socially Responsive Balanced Fund. Bit of a generic name, but I think this was an example where it's a little bit more generic. Mm. 
They've got socially responsive factors considered include fair and reasonable employment practices, contributions to the general well-being of the citizens of its host communities and countries and respect for human rights, efforts and strategies to minimise the negative impact of business activities and preserve the Earth's ecological heritage, avoidance of investments in companies that manufacture nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destruction and derive more than 5% of their revenue from the production of non-nuclear weaponry or derive more than 5% of revenue from production of sales of tobacco. Very broad. Or have significant direct exposure to fossil fuel real assets. So what you can take from that is there's a lot of general statements, human rights, well-being. Weaponry. The one thing that they're explicitly excluding, or the two things, are tobacco companies and weapons companies, but then even like fossil fuels, significant direct exposure to fossil fuel real assets. It's not perhaps as clear as some of the other funds where it's like we no revenue from fossil fuels is yeah. acceptable. Yeah. Uh, that revenue threshold you often see. But again, it's like, all right, well, that then the question becomes, I probably need to do a bit more digging into this manager, listen to what the manager says. Do I, do I like how they talk yeah. about, you know, sustainability and ethical investing? Yeah. So I think that just two examples of when you dig under the hood in that, dense and somewhat boring document, there's some really good insight into what's actually behind the name, Yeah, how they're actually going to invest my money. So that's the lesson for today to help you build your investor toolkit. Take the time to look at the fact sheet, the one that sort of Ren just alluded to where they tell you how they invest your money and the criteria that they will use to build their portfolio. It's incredibly important, particularly now as we see more and more names coming to the market that from the purposes of marketing can be misleading mm. or um, a little sort of overzealous. It's not, it's sometimes <laughs> just deliberately vague. Yeah. We're not, we're not saying they're misleading. Yes. As always in <laughs> investing, do your own research. But Ren, we have hit the 15 minutes. I hope you uh, have enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review it if you can. Share it with a friend. Really helps us to continue growing, get started investing and uh, help other investors learn along with us. So Ren, it's been a pleasure and we'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.